Well, hello everyone. This is Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 33 for March the 12th, 2006. Feeling a little better now, and hopefully my voice will be better on this podcast for uh, this Sunday morning. Got some uh, good stuff to talk about, uh, a real classic TOS episode, and some prop talk. Let's get to it. Treks in Sci-Fi... It's a triple. Oh, it's adorable. They call the Enterprise a garbage scum. Stand by to receive our transmission. Again, welcome to the show. This is Rico, the host for Treks in Sci-Fi. Yes, it's uh, it's Sunday morning where I'm at. Uh, a little rainy. The weather's starting to get better outside, a little warmer. Yesterday was a pretty nice day where I'm at, and today a little wet, but definitely warmer. So that's that's a good sign. The, the birds are chirping, spring's coming, and I'm really looking forward to that. You know, spring, summertime is my uh, favorite time of year for, for a lot of reasons. After a long winter, uh, it's nice to have uh, some warmer weather where I'm at. And you know this is usually the time of the year where a lot of a lot of cool movies will be coming out soon, so that that's good. And I talked about on my last podcast, uh, the mini show in the middle of the week, about Ultraviolet, which which wasn't the greatest movie, but it was uh, it was an I guess okay and an enjoyable film. But we do have some uh, pretty cool movies coming out soon. I, I plan on seeing that V for Vendetta, which will be out. Uh, in next week, I think next weekend, yes. So, uh, so that'll be good to talk about. The first thing uh, that I thought I would go over, I don't really have a, uh, I have a couple of emails, but I think I'm going to sh- save those for the Wednesday show this week. I did want to mention a couple things uh, last Friday night, and I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything because it was just a couple of days ago. But the Sci-Fi Channel aired the season finales of both the Stargate SG One. Atlantis and Battlestar Galactica, and oh my God, were they all good! I really, really enjoyed uh, every one of the season finales on the Sci-Fi Channel on Friday, uh, Friday evening, with uh, especially Galactica, of course, which you know is probably the strongest of the shows. The the storytelling and the acting and everything. I mean, one of the advantages it has is it's fairly new. So that uh, it doesn't have, although Atlantis is is also fairly new, but it still has the whole Stargate thing going on, and and of course SG One is, is like now the that was like the end of what the ninth season. So, but they all still ended strongly, and, and I'll, I'll tell you without giving too much away, it was uh, some of the plot lines a little bit were kind of similar, uh, different characters and different things going on, but the end result, uh, well, they all kind of ended in cliffhangers more or less. So. Which is to be expected because all these shows have already been renewed. Uh, the both Stargates, I guess, will be back on coming this July, at least in the United States. And there, unfortunately, it seems I, I, I didn't really want to believe this was true when I first heard about it, but it seems that uh, Battlestar Galactica we have to wait all the way till next October for new episodes of that. So that's kind of unfortunate, especially where they left it. Uh, but man, these shows just continue to really, really. Uh, impress me and interest me and just I, I think they're really solid television and and I just 
I really want to uh, kind of put the call out to anyone out there uh, that may have, you know, family, friends, whatever. The the trick with this stuff these days, and, and I know sci-fi, fantasy, television movies are, are probably more popular than they ever have been and not quite uh, like it used to be. But I guess my point is these shows are not just for the sci-fi fan. I, I really don't think that's that's true at all, especially Galactica. I mean, the sci-fi thing is just sort of the overriding kind of element in the background almost that's going on. It's not a, a tech-heavy, techno-babble, you know, like some of the later Star Trek shows became. There's not a lot of back history. Well, there is. I mean, there's one, now two seasons of Galactica, but they're, they're uh, available on DVD, at least most of it so far, and I'm sure the last part of season two will be out soon. But th- these shows just are, just are really well done, especially Galactica. I think anyone who enjoys solid, good action-packed drama on television like shows like 24 lost uh a lot of shows that are very popular these days people really need to check these shows out and and i wish they got the attention and the accolades that some of the other shows do it's they they tend to be especially galactic it gets quite a bit of good press but uh, you know unfortunately it is on a cable channel it's on sci-fi and that that is part of the reason it it gets a little ignored perhaps but um I just uh, I think they're just doing great work, and I think these shows will be shows that uh, people will eventually come to treasure over the years and really go, man, remember when Galactica was on? Man, was that a good show. So um, I really uh, encourage anyone, if you can find a friend or a family member that likes good, solid television drama, uh, to take take a look at these shows. Get You know, if you got the DVDs, loan them the set. Get them interested. Uh, the more of the ratings they have, and, I, you know, they are doing well. It's not like... A, a show that really needs saving. It's already been renewed for next year, and I think they're doing well. But I, I just wish more people had a chance to uh, take a look at these things and enjoy them. So that's my uh, rant for the week, I guess. Uh, go go watch these and pick up the DVDs and watch them again. So that's it uh, for Sci-Fi Friday Talk. Okay, so let's uh, let's get right into the, the Star Trek episode for this week, which uh, is a classic episode. Uh, one of the cl- most classic I've probably discussed, definitely in the top uh, top of the list episode of uh, the from the original series of Star Trek. The episode is going to be for this week, uh, the Trouble with Tribbles. Yep, the uh, the Trouble with Tribbles from the second season of TOS. Now this episode is is definitely a, a fan favorite. It's one of my favorites. Because it just has all, again, as, as many of these classic Star Trek episodes, it has all the right elements. It has a kind of a, a cool overall story mystery thing going on. It has a lot of comedy. It has some action. It uses the, the really, the, the crew of the, the ship, not just the, the main three, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, but it uses the main, th- main other sort of secondary Uhura, Dr. McCoy, Scotty especially. Uh, they all figure you know, fairly prominently check off in this episode. And, and that's really, to me, what, what helps uh, and makes the episode as enjoyable as it is, that you get to see everyone do a little something in, in the show. So without any further ado, and I'll come back and, and we'll, we'll get started and, and talk more about it, I'm going to play the preview f- clip uh, again. I think this is a 30-second preview for The Trouble with Tribbles. Captain's Log, Stardate 4523.3. Deep Space Station K-7 signals near or total disaster. State the nature of your emergency. It's a triple. (laughs) (laughs) There's 
morning I found out that he had babies. They do indeed have one redeeming characteristic. What's that? They do not talk too much. This is my chicken sandwich and coffee. I want these things off the ship. I don't care if it takes every man we've got. I want them off the ship. Jim, I think I've got it. All we have to do is stop feeding them. Once we stop feeding them, they stop breeding. Okay, there we go. And again, uh, I, I misspoke. It was a one-minute-long uh, preview for The Trouble with Tribbles. The thing about that preview, which I, I noticed when I was listening to it again there, there's a lot of the uh, fight scene that's in this episode uh, during the preview, so it's not, again... It's not the greatest, uh, you know, they, they create those trailer previews to try to promote the show to get people to watch and tune in the next week. You know, they're usually shown at the end of an episode to, to again, to kind of remind people, hey, this is coming up next week on Star Trek, uh, tune in, it looks like a fun show. So so that's the uh, preview. Now this episode uh, from the second season, episode number 42 in, in the production of Star Trek, The Trouble with Tribbles, was written by David Gerald. Now, David Gerald at the time was was fairly young, and you know, fairly untested writer. What you know, one of the ni- nice things about the original series is they were, uh, and some of the later Star Trek series, they were open to using uh, writers that weren't, you know, the, these writers that had been around Hollywood or, or had uh, lots of screen credits. They were willing to take some chances, and they took a shot. David Gerald, uh, from what I recall in reading his uh, book on this and, and other sources had tried uh, a few times to get something through on on Star Trek. And he had this idea of this episode, The Trouble with Tribbles, about these little creatures, these little furry creatures that would uh, multiply and cause all kinds of problems for the crew of the Enterprise. And there was a lot of comedy elements in it that probably, you know, when you look at this episode, it's not your typical Star Trek episode. There's a lot more going on in, in comedy and kind of, I don't want to call it Pratt Falls, but, you know, there's a bar fight. There, there's all kinds of different things going on and that aren't your typical. It's set on a space station primarily. There isn't much shown on the Enterprise, a little bit. Uh, there's no planet uh, landing, you know, no transporting down to a planet. Not really an alien uh, race, I guess, except for if, you, if you're calling the Tribbles an alien. No new aliens, really, they're meeting up with. So uh, a little different than your typical, uh, typical Trek episode. Now, this was directed by Joseph Pevney. And from what I've uh, checked into, he w- he was um, somebody who was really into vaudeville back in the day. And you can really tell in this episode the way he directed it, a lot of the, the comedy elements, it, it, the timing, the way the scenes are set up, that really shows through, I think, in the episode. Now, there's a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of classic uh, actors in this episode. There's the guy that plays Mr. Lurie, who uh, runs Deep Spa- or Space Station K-7. He was in the Time Tunnel. Um, the actor's name is Whit Bissell. He was in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Lots of lots of classic uh, sci-fi type uh, shows. The guy that plays um, Barris, who's the uh, the sort of um, nemesis for Kirk in this uh, episode, is um, let me look up his name here. Can never recall. Uh, that's William Shallert. Yeah, that's the guy that was from uh, the old Patty Duke television show. 
if anyone's familiar with that, he's been in a lot, a lot of shows over the years. Uh, Cyrano Jones, the the um, guy that basically brings the Tribbles to Deep or Space Station K seven. Excuse me. That's played by uh, the, the late actor Stanley Adams, and it, again, a, a really good supporting cast. And then you have uh, Koloth, it, which is the um, the Klingon commander that ends up on the station. And he's, uh, again, played by uh, the actor William Campbell, which we talked about um, several weeks back when I talked about the Squire of Gothos. Yes, he played by both the Squire uh, of Gothos and uh, this Klingon commander. Now, one of the ideas they had thought during uh, this episode was that they were going to give uh, Kirk kind of a uh, kind of a Klingon nemesis that would turn up now and then, and Koloth was supposed to be that. Well, that didn't really pan out. They they did a few other Klingon shows, and they usually it was kind of the Klingon of the week. They had Kor, they had Koloth, they had Kang. I was kind of wondered when they got to Next Generation why they didn't name uh, Worf, uh, you know, with a K sound, you know, a K first name because there were so many from the original series Klingons that were uh, that started with the letter K. Although they got into that whole different Klingon look, so you know, I think. Uh, Gene Roddenberry at the time decided to go a slightly different direction. Plus, you had a Klingon aboard the, you know, the Enterprise uh, Federation ship, so he was trying to show a distinction, I think, there. But getting off a little topic, uh, let's get into this episode a little more direct now uh, after talking about the actors and, and some of the background. I'm going to play next. Uh, this is a real uh, scene really near the, the very beginning of the episode. With uh, It's a little scene in a briefing room with Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov going over um, what their... Uh, what they're going, uh, I, I guess they're talking about some history of the quadrant. Oh, they're talking about Sherman's planet. That's what it was again. Now, the um, the story behind Sherman's planet, the name Sherman's planet is a little odd when you think about it. You know, a lot of uh, uh, Trek planets were always called like, you know, Alpha, Beta, this, Omicron, SETI, 3, things like that. Well, the, the story that I recall was that David Gerald at the time had a, uh, I think it was just his girlfriend, and her, uh, I think her last name was Sherman. So when he was writing the script for this episode, he decided, "Hey, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, win some points with the lady and uh, throw in her name in the script." So that's the uh, that's a story that I recall from uh, over the years hearing that a couple of times. So let's play the clip now at the beginning of the episode with uh, Kirk Spock and uh, Mr. Chekhov. How close will we come to the nearest Klingon outpost if we continue on our present course? One per six, sir. Close enough to smell them. That is illogical, Ensign. Odors cannot travel through the vacuum of space. I was making a little joke, sir. Extremely little, Ensign. Mr. Spark, immediate past history of the Quadrant. Under dispute between the two parties since initial contact. The Battle of Donatu V was fought near here 23 solar years ago. Inconclusive. Analysis of disputed area. Undeveloped. Sherman's planet is claimed by both sides, our Federation and the Klingon Empire. We do have the better claim. The area was first mapped by the famous Russian astronomer Ivan Burkov, almost 200... John Berg. Berg, sir? I don't think so. I'm sure it was... John Berg was the chief astronomer at the Royal Academy in Old Britain at the time. Oh, Royal Academy. <laughs> well, is the rest of your history that faulty, Ensign? Key points of dispute. Under the terms of the Organian Peace Treaty, one side or the other must prove it can develop the planet most efficiently. And unfortunately, though the Klingons are brutal and aggressive, they are most efficient. 
I remember once Peter the Great had a problem like that. He... Captain. Kirk here. Captain, I'm picking up a subspace distress call. Priority channel. It's from space station K7. Go to Wolf Factor 6. It's called one emergency. That's a disaster call. This is a red alert. Man your battle station. All hands. It's some uh, some really good stuff there with Chekhov, uh, you know, trying to slip in the whole Russian inv- invented this and invented that and everything. Uh, I really, really like that. Uh, he gets used quite a bit in this show, uh, goes off to uh, Station K-7 with Uhura and uh, first gets the Tribble, which will be coming up here in a minute or two uh, or a few minutes. The the um, What I noticed when I was going back over this episode and selecting some of the audio it was really hard for me, uh, a lot of these clips this week, and I think I've this has happened in, in previous shows where I've said that it, it was difficult for me to, to collect very short audio clips. So today's uh, clips tend to be a little more on the long side. This, the story and the, the, the dialogue and the writing is just so much fun that I, I had a hard time, you know, where do I cut it off? There weren't really short little segments that it was easy to cut it off, and Plus, I wanted to show a little bit of, you know, the different things I was talking about in this episode and the different characters that were used in ways that uh, they hadn't been used in a lot of other times. So, so there's a, the, you know, the call K-7 is, is sort of summoning the Enterprise to, to the station, and, you know, that's, um, that's not going to sit too well with Captain Kirk. He doesn't like that. And we're going to go on to another clip here, which is near, again, the beginning of the show. This is in uh, the Mr. Lurie's office on on Station uh, K Seven, and about you know why they summon the Enterprise to uh, to the station. So listen to this. And now, Captain, I want all available security guards. I want them posted around the storage compartments. Storage compartments. Storage compartments. The storage compartments containing the Quadro Triticale. The what? The what? What's Quadro Triticale? Wheat. So what? Quadro Triticale is not wheat, Captain. Of course, I wouldn't expect you or uh, Mr. Spock to know about such things, but uh, Quadro Triticale is a rather... Quadro Triticale is a high-yield grain, a four-lobed hybrid of wheat and rye, a perennial also, if I'm not mistaken. Its root grain, Triticale, can trace its ancestry all the way back to 20th century Canada. Uh, Mr. Spock, major point. Quadro Triticale is the only earth grain that will grow on Sherman's planet. We have several tons of it here on the station. And it's very important that that grain get to Sherman's planet safely. Mr. Barris thinks that Klingon agents may try to sabotage it. You issued a priority one distress call for a couple of tons of wheat. Quadro Triticale. Of course, Captain. I realize that we... Mr. Barris, you summon the Enterprise without an emergency. You'll take full responsibility for it. What do you mean? Misuse of the priority one channel is a Federation offense. I did not misuse the Priority One channel. I want that grain protected. Captain, couldn't you at least post a couple of guards? We do have a large number of ships passing through. It would seem a logical precaution, Captain. The Sherman's Planet Affair is of extreme importance to the Federation. Yeah, the thing that uh, that I really like about that clip there was where, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Lurie is... Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting... I get those names mixed up sometimes... Uh, Niels Barris, yes, uh, the uh, the guy trying to protect the grain. You know, he talks about quadrotriticale, and you know, he says, "I don't expect you, Mister, uh, you know, Kirk or Spock, to know about these things." And Spock slams him down, puts him in his place, and because Spock, you know, keeps up on all this stuff, of course, and Spock knows all these things, and he's the science officer, and uh, 
and Kirk just gives him this little look of like, uh, all right, you, you made your point, Mr. Spock, you know, okay. I like that, uh, that little spot because they don't, uh, they really don't know what they're getting into when they, uh, you know, try to take on, uh, Mr. Spock and Kirk. So that's, uh, and you can really, really see Kirk's annoyance, you know, hey, what, you know, you brought a Federation starship here to, to guard some wheat. Don't you guys have guards? Can't you handle this and everything yourselves? So that, and it's, it's, un, it's understandable that he's, you know, upset about that and you know he's he's a starship captain and you know they're usually involved in a lot more complicated and serious matters than you know playing guard duty so but of course that's the tag and that's the thing that gets the enterprise there and that that sets the the, uh, situation up for the whole episode so you kind of have to have a reason to get him there we'll move along in this um there's a there's a lot of stuff in here that I, i i didn't pull out of the this when I was going through and uh, grabbing audio to, to play for you guys and girls. Um, but the next scene is, is a pretty critical one, of course. This scene is is, is in the bar, which a which, uh, few scenes in this episode take place in the, the K7 bar with uh, Cyrano Jones and uh, the proprietor of the bar, which his name is, uh, the character's name is escaping. Let me look here. Uh, no, not finding it real quick, so we'll leave that one alone. Uh, this the scene. Chekhov decides to uh, go uh, on shore leave with Uhura, which you know that's a nice little thing. They they both go. They work on the bridge together. They're friends, and they, you know that that's that's nice. I, I like that again. I, I really like how they use the other characters in this episode. It's really good. Uh, they did that a lot in uh, some of the more successful Star Trek movies. Star Trek uh, Four, especially. I can think of uh, Number Six and Number Two even. But you know those those movies that were that were good. They use the they use the crew. They use all the characters. So uh, and you know the, of course Shatner, Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly. Those guys are the main three: Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And oh, which reminds me, I'm going to go completely 180 degrees off on the side here. Uh, depending on when you get this podcast, the History Channel this week it has uh, a couple of uh, William Shatner specials airing. Check your local listings, as they say for for specific dates and times, but uh, do some searches online on, on TV Guide or whatever you use. I use my TiVo uh, information and just do a, a search for William Shatner, but there's a couple of specials on this week that are kind of look like they're kind of interesting. One of them is uh, called uh, How William Shatner Saved the Galaxy or Universe or something like that. I think that's on tomorrow night. Uh, it might be on tonight. Not sure. Uh, but anyway, check your local listings, History Channel, William Shatner. So now back to... Uh, the triple episode. So this the scene coming up uses some of these other uh, actors and characters, uh, Lieutenant Uhura, Ensign Chekhov, in the bar scene on K7. So let's uh, play that clip for you right now. Surely you want... Not at your price. Oh, what is it? Is it alive? May I hold it? Oh, it's adorable. What is it? What is it? Why, lovely lady... It's a tribble. A tribble? Only the sweetest creature known to man. Except in, of course, your lovely self. <laughs> oh, it's purry. Listen, it's purry. It's only saying that it likes you. Are you selling them? That's what we're trying to decide right now. My friend, ten credits apiece is a very reasonable price. Now you can see for yourself how much the lovely little lady appreciates the finer thing. One credit apiece. He won't buy it, will he? 
Sir, transporting harmful animals from one planet to another is against regulations, or weren't you aware of that? <laughs> Besides, tribbles have no teeth. <laughs> All right, I'll double my offer. Two credits. Twice nothing is still nothing. Well, if you're not going to take him, I'm going to take him. I think he's cute. Four credits. Is that an offer or a joke? That's my offer. That's a joke. Uh, I can see you're an honest man. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to lessen my price to eight and a half credits. <laughs> you're talking yourself out of a deal, friend. Six credits, not a credit more. Seven and a half. Seven? All right, you robber, six credits. John, when can I have them? Right away. All right, what are you selling them for? Well, let me see, little lady, is six credits. A figure of a reasonable markup for a reasonable profit, say, a 10% markup, uh, 10 credits. Thief. In fact, I'll sell you this one. Hey, he's eating my grain. That'll be 10 credits. That happens to be my sample, and I'll do with it as I please. And I please to give it to the lovely little lady here. Yeah, I had to, uh, I wanted to get that clip, or continue that clip until the point where, uh, Chekhov notices that the the Tribble is eating the grain, which is, of course, uh, for those that, you know, like everyone who's listening to this podcast, I'm sure, realizes or remembers uh, that that's a critical point in this story uh, that, that happens uh, during the episode. The, the nice thing about that scene again is, is to me, you know, listening to it again, is Nichelle Nichols is just so... You know she's so nice and charming there in the bar. You know talking about this this little furry creature and 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 I just you know it was you know it's history now and it's forty years ago. But you know the all these actors you know it's the way a lot of television goes. But they're all really good and you know you you really like to see them use more of the crew more. I mean she's just really really good in that little scene and it comes through uh, very strongly. I think it's one of the reasons that I like uh, I, I like so much like ensemble type television shows now. Things like I was talking about earlier, the Stargate shows, Battlestar Galactica, um, Lost. I like shows that have lots of interesting characters. I'm getting off on a tangent a little bit, but um, and you know I also read comics, uh, X Men, things like that, Avengers. I do read some solo books like Spider Man, but the, you know there's even in those books there's a lot of secondary characters, but. I like a rich story, you know, like Lord of the Rings, for example. Uh, you can't get much richer than that with a whole bunch of characters and a lot of things going on. Um, it really keeps the storylines interesting, and and I think it really adds a lot to the uh, the entertainment and, and the enjoyment of watching uh, watching these types of uh, shows. So now uh, let's go on to um, to another little clip. This one's not quite as long, I think. This is the, uh, there's a little scene with uh, the Klingons show up, and there's a little scene that Kirk talks to um, Barris over the uh, the radio or intercom, excuse me, and communications system, let's say, to him about these uh, Klingons showing up on the station for uh, shore leave, which I guess according, you know, they say in this, uh, according to the Organian Peace Treaty, it's sort of like neutral turf, more or less. Like Deep Space Nine turns out to be uh, in that series, where a lot of different alien species can show up. They're uh, they're allowed to sort of intermingle. There's not supposed to be any trouble, but of course there ends up usually being some kind of trouble. So uh, we'll play this uh, next clip for you now. Yes, Mr. Barris, what can I do for you? 
Kirk, this station is swarming with Klingons. I was not aware, Mr. Barris, that 12 Klingons constitutes a swarm. Captain Kirk, there are Klingon soldiers on this station. Now, I want you to keep that grain safe. Mr. Barris, I have guards around the grain. I have guards around the Klingons. The only reason those guards are there is because Starfleet wants them there. As for what you want... It has been noted and logged. Kirk out. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk's a little uh, a little annoyed with Mr. Barris there. The, uh, the, the, the funny thing in this episode is, is, is how many kind of back-and-forth repartee kind of lines that, you know, Kirk's Bach... Uh, the people on K seven and and the rest of the crew and that they all they all get these little back and forth little exchanges and again I, I credit all you know basically all of that to David Gerald really really good uh, episode I mean he was just in his I think uh, I'm trying to remember early twenties I believe when he wrote this episode I think so you know this this is a really strong effort and he you know he went on and David Gerald has had a very successful career in writing science fiction uh, novels I've read a couple of them they're they're fairly good. Uh, there, there, um, there are a lot of interesting stories. Uh, he has a, a series of books called "The War with the Kator, which is like an alien uh, invasion kind of tale. He did a story um, about kind of a robot boy, which was, which was very good. Uh, so he, he's he's had a really good uh, career in writing, and uh, and this this episode was was a good start for him. And uh, I'm not really sure off the top of my head if he wrote any other start or excuse me. Uh, a lot of other television scripts uh, at this time, or if he was submitting to other shows, he you know he eventually worked um, a little bit on uh, TNG at the first at the beginning. He also worked on the Star Trek animated series too. So uh, that's um, you know he's 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 a really good writer. Now we're going to go uh, to one of the most fun scenes I guess in this episode, which is the bar fight. Uh, the uh, the first. Uh, little scene is, is near the beginning of the fight just before it breaks out and uh, without giving too much away if you haven't seen it in a while we'll just play the audio for you and this is just a lot of fun I, I really enjoy this uh, scene every time I see it and if I think that Kirk is a Denebian slime devil well that's my opinion too don't do it mister that's an order but you heard what he called the captain forget it it's not worth fighting for we're big enough to take a few insults. Now drink your drink. Of course, I'd say that Captain Kirk deserves his ship. We like the Enterprise. We, we really do. <laughs> That's sagging. Old rust buckets is designed like a garbage scow. Half the quadrant knows it. That's why they're learning to speak Klingonese. <laughs> Mr. Scott. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? You're right. I should. I didn't mean to say that the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I meant to say that it should be hauled away as garbage. (laughs) 
Ah, Scotty, your beloved Enterprise gets insulted, and that does it for you. You know, that's just perfect. I mean, that's Scotty. That's that's what he's all about. That you know, the Enterprise is his baby. You know, Kirk might be the captain, but but the Enterprise um, really, in a way, belongs to Scotty, and he takes care of her. And anybody that makes uh, makes a crack about the Enterprise, they got to take it up with uh, Scotty. And Jimmy Doohan is just great in that scene. Uh, he's just he's just great. And the thing you notice about that, if you listen real carefully, is the Klingon uh, when Scotty says to him, uh, "Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that?" You know, he's like, you know, the Klingon then says, uh, you're right, I should. And he tries to sort of make fun of Scotty's accent. Just just good stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not even sure if that was the way it was written in the script. You know, hey, try to try to do a Scottish accent here when you talk back to Scotty. You know, perhaps the actor just decided to do that at the time. But but really good. And uh, then, of course, he, he breaks into this. And I, I'm, I'm trying to recall, uh, I don't think in, in TOS you ever had another barroom uh brawl like this and even the other uh, trek episodes i can remember the one with picard where um q makes him believe that he's gone or he kind of relives his like early academy times and that and there's a fight with uh, in a bar that picard has with some nosikins i think they're called but they, you know they don't do that a lot uh i think they maybe did it on ds9 a couple times but uh you know, a lot of uh, a lot of fun. You know, it's good to see the crew let loose a little bit like this in in uh, in this particular show. So, uh, really, really, uh, really fun stuff. Now, of course, you got to play the next scene, uh, which is where um, Kirk is confronting the, the the crew that were in the bar and Scotty specifically about what happened. Hey, you know what happened? You guys were supposed to be, uh, you know, taking it easy on shore leave, and then there's a big fight that uh, happens with the, you and the Klingons and. He kind of told Scotty, actually, I didn't play the clip, but he told Scotty, he kind of forced Scotty to go on shore leave, and he told him, you know, make sure everything goes okay, and uh, and that's what Scotty, at least at first, tries to do. He hold, he holds Chekhov back, and then, of course, but when the Enterprise starts to get knocked, hey, that's that's too much for him to even take. So listen to this clip between uh, uh, Captain Kirk and Mr. Scott. Uh, the Klingons say, is this off the record? No, this is not off the record. Well, Captain, uh... Klingons call you a, a tin-plated, overbearing, swaggering dictator with delusions of godhood. Is that all? No, sir. They also compared you with that Danubian slime devil. I see. And then they said that you were... I get the picture, Scott. Yes, sir. And after they said all this, that's when you hit the Klingons. No, sir. No? No, uh, I didn't. You told us to avoid trouble. Oh, yes. And I didn't see that it was worth fighting about. After all, we're big enough to take a few insults. Aren't we? What was it they said that started the fight? They called the Enterprise a garbage skull. Sir. I see. And that's when you hit the Klingon. Yes, sir. You hit the Klingons because they insulted the Enterprise, not because they... Well, sir, this was a matter of pride. All right, Scotty. Dismissed. Oh. Scotty, you're restricted to quarters until further notice. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. That'll give me a chance to catch up on my technical journals. 
great, great dialogue, great scene there with the two of them. Uh, I love the music in this episode again. TOS, great, great music usually in a lot of the episodes. You know, they start playing the Irish brogue kind of uh, whatever instruments those are. I'm not sure, but you know, they play kind of Scotty's theme almost, uh, which is used in this episode a couple of times, and in other Star Trek episodes when he's. Uh, <laughs> When he's talking to Kirk and Kirk's trying to get out of him, well, what started this fight? And, uh, you know, well, no, it's not because they insulted you. It's because they insulted the Enterprise. So, uh, you know, that's uh, good uh, good times. So let's uh, move along. Uh, we're going to jump ahead now quite a bit, uh, get to the point where they discover the uh, the Tribbles all in the uh, grain uh, uh, storage uh, container or whatever. So, uh We'll uh, play that clip. The um, the thing that's fun about this scene, and you know, you've probably all seen it, uh, is what happens. There's um, Kirk gets you know buried in this big mound or pile of tribbles, and as they do the scene, I guess there were a couple people up there, basically on the set, that were tossing tribbles on on Shatner's head as they were coming out. And if you really watch closely uh, throughout this scene, you you could tell he's starting to actually get almost a little bit annoyed because these tribbles keep popping out of there and uh it's 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 a lot of fun i I really like watching that uh that little clip so we'll play uh play that for you when they they discover right after they discover all the tribbles in the uh the storage container of grain jim i think i've got it all we have to do is quit feeding them we quit feeding them they stop breeding now he tells me yep this tribble is dead and so are these A lot of them are dead. A lot of them are alive, but they won't be for long. The logical assumption is that there is something in the grain. Yes, bones. I want the tribbles, the grain, everything analyzed. I want to know what killed these tribbles. I haven't figured out what keeps them alive yet. All right, if I find out anything, I'll let you know. That isn't going to do you any good, Kirk. This project is ruined, and Starfleet is going to hear about it. And when they do, they will have a board of inquiry and they will roast you alive. Yes, and I am going to be there, Kirk, to enjoy every minute of it. Yes, until that board of inquiry, I'm still a captain. And as captain, I want two things done. First, find Cyrano Jones. And second... Close that door. Yeah, so uh, so inadvertently, even though the grain's basically gone, uh, the Tribbles basically did them a favor and discovered, as you'll hear a little bit more about it in the next uh, the next clip, discovered that this grain had been poisoned. Uh, which which it's um, even though that you know they don't have the grain anymore, it would have been better than I guess poison grain going to this planet. So the next scene that I'm going to play for you is is not too long after this. It's in the uh, Barris's office and when Kirk and, and everyone they basically discover the whole plot and what happened and and what um what caused the grain or how the grain got poisoned. So uh listen to this one. Why well, you're right, Mr. Jones. They don't like Klingons. But they do like Vulcans. Mr. Spock, I didn't know you had it in you. Obviously, Tribbles are very perceptive creatures, Captain. Obviously. Mr. Barris, they like you. Well, there's no accounting for taste. 
don't like you, Mr. Darwin. I wonder why. Bones? Heartbeat is all wrong. His body temperature is... Jim, this man is a Klingon. Klingon? I wonder what Starfleet Command will say about that. What about the grain, Bones? Oh, yes, it was poisoned. Poisoned? Yes, it's been impregnated with a virus. The virus turns into an inert material in the bloodstream. And the more the organism eats, the more inert matter is built up. So after two or three days, it would reach a point to where they couldn't take in enough nourishment to survive. They starve to death in a storage compartment full of grain. They starve to death. That is essentially it. Darwin, you know, Tom? I have nothing to say. All right, I poisoned the grain. Take them away. And the Tribbles had nothing to do with it. I don't know. I never saw one before in my life, and I hope I never see one of those fuzzy, miserable things again. I'm certain that can be arranged, Darwin. Guards? So, uh, so there you have it, uh, Tribbles, the ultimate uh, interrogation device. Uh, just grab a couple of those, and uh, Jack Bauer on the, on the show 24 wouldn't have any trouble at all. Uh, any Tribble at all. Uh, but uh, I, I like that idea. You know, the Tribbles, uh, yeah, it's kind of like my dog. You know, I, Animals sometimes, you know, even though maybe not as intelligent as humans, I think they get they, they have the ability to sort of cut through all the, you know, subterfuge and all that kind of stuff and and they they really do pick up on uh you know the you know good people bad people and uh you know whether they're uh you know they're doing that uh you know or how they're doing it doesn't really matter so uh so yeah dar i like that name arn darvin i mean how can that guy be a good guy anyway you know they had some cool names niels barris uh you know and arn darvin his assistant turns out of course to be this disguised klingon agent and, you know, in the time of TOS, all the guy had to do was shave off his little goatee and put on a different outfit, and uh, he could pretty much pass as a human. So not quite like uh, in the TNG and later Trek episodes where they had the, the bumpy, foreheaded-type Klingons uh, aboard the ships and uh, that those were the Klingons you were used to there. So that's the episode, Trouble with Triples. I'm going to play one last uh, clip, which, again, I, I always enjoy the kind of wrap-up scene. This is on the bridge. And it, it's it's about, let me look here, about a minute long. And this wraps up the episode real nice. Then I'm going to take a short break there. And I will come back and talk about uh, the collectibles that I wanted to talk about the, for this week. And we're going to announce a, a new contest. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after this clip. Gentlemen, I don't want to interrupt this mutual admiration society, but I'd like to know where the dribbles are. Tell him, Spot. Well, it was Mr. Scott who performed the actual engineering. Mr. Scott, where are the Tribbles? I use the transporter, Captain. You use the transporter? Aye. Well, where did you transport them? Scott, you didn't transport them into space, did you? Captain Kirk, that'd be inhuman. Well, where are they? I gave them a very good home, sir. Where? I gave them to the Klingons, sir. Gave them to the Klingons? Aye, sir. Before they went into warp, I transported the whole kit and caboodle into the air engine room, where there'll be no trouble at all. 
This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. So I, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed looking uh, back at the uh, classic Trek episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. I know I really uh, enjoyed looking back at this one. I think my plan right now is also next weekend I will look at the sort of uh, interesting add-on episode to this, which is the Tribble episode from Deep Space Nine can't recall trials and tribulations i think yes that's the title of it and i i'm almost 100 percent positive yeah i'm going to look at that one for next weekend show so look forward to that uh that was a great uh a fun episode and really goes along well with uh with this one since we just talked about it so somebody uh had made that suggestion to me uh and i i really really thought that was a good idea now for uh the collectible talk this week a couple things i wanted to mention first thing i was going to talk about uh is there's a, a movie, and I've mentioned it before a few podcasts back, called Free Enterprise. This is a, a, a really, really fun movie for Star Trek fans out there. It's um, it's difficult to describe, to, to, to say it lightly, um, but they have a new uh, two-disc DVD version that just came out, I noticed, on Amazon. This movie uh, has William Shatner in it, has a lot of fun scenes. It, it's about kids growing up. Uh, who are really into Star Trek, and it shows them when they're a little older. And I don't want to give too much away, you know, but it's a, it's really a funny, good movie. And I highly, highly, if you're into Star Trek at all, get it off Netflix or buy it. I think the even the new two D, the two disc DVD set that just came out is only uh, like twelve or fourteen dollars. Well, well worth the money. So look for uh, the movie Free Enterprise. A lot of fun. Okay, the uh, the other or the main collectibles that I thought about talk about this week are, of course, uh, tribbles, and uh, these cuddly little furry creatures have been made uh, by a lot of different places over the years. David Gerald, the writer of the episode, uh, originally was selling some of them. There have been a lot of different um, places, uh, both in the in the old days, mail order uh, that were advertised in magazines like Starlog and things like that. And now, of course, with the Internet online, you can find uh, these things pretty easily. I have a few myself. long, long time ago, I made uh, actually bought some fur at like a fabric store and, and stuffed uh, a bunch of triples uh, on, uh, you know, on my own. Again, back, back in the time when you couldn't just buy this stuff pre-made. You had to do it yourself. And, and I still have a little box somewhere up in my attic with those in it, and I have a couple laying around here in the house, my uh, my cat likes to grab them and play with them sometimes, it, uh, so they, they tend to uh, disappear. I did uh, actually, uh, I purchased, uh, I've purchased a couple official ones at a convention, and then I did uh, one mail order one, I think, through like the fan club store. I found one place pretty easily right now, the, the Star Trek Experience, and I'll link this in the podcast notes, has a, I think it's nine ninety nine. You can buy a Tribble that purrs and 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 does little, you know, kind of vibrate, kind of, you know, almost like uh, one of those force feedback joysticks for games and things. I think it's only yeah ten dollars. Takes a couple of batteries, so and it's a it's a neat little uh, toy or prop uh, 
or whatever you want to call it, from uh, the original Star Trek series. So, yeah, you can, uh, or you can go out, even like I did a long time ago, buy some fur, get some stuffing, and and talk somebody into helping you sew one of these things up together. I mean, there's not a whole lot to it. And the neat thing with some of the fur is it, it's real easy to sew the, you know, a couple of these, you make a couple of patterns like discs or ovals and sew them together. But with the fur, you don't really see the seam. You pull the fur out and it's, it's, it comes to, they come out pretty good. You just leave a little opening stuff, the fur in there and sew it up the end. So, uh, triple, it's one little prop that you can make pretty easily, or you can buy, uh, buy online somewhere. And of course they, they come in all different kinds of colors, you know, kind of, uh, Medium brown seemed to be about the most that you saw in the episode that they were that they looked like, and you know there are there are white ones and gray ones and darker colored ones. So anything you find or use, it looks like from the the ones from Star Trek Experience, they they just sort of send you a random color that uh, whatever they've got available, I guess. So they probably only make three or four different colors at that place and then ship out. So you may get. Uh, you know, there's a picture there, and I'll, again, link this in the podcast notes. It looks like they do some medium brown ones and white ones and that. So so Tribbles, that's our collectible for the week. Not as fancy or as expensive maybe as some of the other stuff that I've talked about, but, uh, you know, a cool little thing. You can throw it on the couch or throw it up on a shelf, uh, and uh, you'd be amazed at how many people know, you know, from a, a television episode 40 years ago, how many people know when you show them one of those things what it is, you know, what's a Tribble, and makes a great cat toy too, so... So that's uh, our collectible talk. Well, we're going to just about wrap up this week's Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Again, I'd like to, uh, I really want to thank again everyone listening to the show, new, old listeners, not by age, just by number of podcasts you listen to. I, I understand there's there's tons of shows out there, new ones every day, and uh, if you've taken the, the time uh, to listen to mine for an hour or so, I, I really appreciate it. Again, uh, the the show is uh, has been really going well, and I'm really happy with things. Uh, working a little on my website, treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com is where to find it. Please check out the Frapper Map there. If you haven't ever put a little pin on the Frapper Map, do so. There's a new little feature, like I mentioned on my last show, about a, a map. When you visit the main webpage, uh, it'll put a little dot dot on the map of uh, the world. It's kind of interesting to look at this. It's only been up for uh, I don't know, maybe about five days now, and there's uh, listeners over in Africa, Australia, uh, Europe, of course, the United States, obviously, a little bit, south, one in South America, Hawaii, so it's it's spreading out pretty good. I, I like what I'm seeing, and um, that's really, uh, really nice. Oh, and also it's March, about the middle, almost the middle of the month, so please, if you haven't had a chance, if you could throw a little vote my way for the show at Podcast Alley, if you go to the Podcast Notes, just go to treksf.com, choose podcast to get to the notes for the show, and there is a link just to the right there to vote, direct uh, a direct link to Podcast Alley to vote for the show. I'd also appreciate if you use iTunes, if you could throw just a quick uh, sentence or two up there on a little review on the podcast. There's a lot of people that download these shows now via iTunes. And just, you know, a little a little couple sentences about the show, what you like about it, and uh, it would really help. Uh, it, I think people look at that a lot when they look at podcasts and start to um, subscribe to them and download them off of iTunes. They and A lot of them don't know about Podcast Alley and some of those other places out there. So this is just my pitch for the month. Uh, if you can give me some votes or some reviews, that would be wonderful. And again, also uh, check out the forums. We've got some new members there in the last few weeks. 
Again, you can get to the forums off the main webpage. We talk about Star Trek. We talk about other things, movies, TV, collectibles, and whatever else pops into people's heads uh, at the time. So I'd be happy to, um, to see anyone new on the forums. And that, I think, is going to do it. Look for another show middle of the week this week. Talk about some emails on that one, some other little things going on in the sci-fi world. And then we'll be back next weekend with uh, the weekend show, which we'll be looking at the DS9 episode, like I said earlier, Trials and Tribulations. Until then, this is Rico signing out for, or logging off. i got, I got to have a tagline, like Ryan Seacrest. Seacrest, out. Maybe it'll be logging out or logging off uh, or, or beaming out. I don't know. We'll figure out something. So, Oh, I'm sorry. All you people, you know, you almost let me get away with it. The contest for this week. I knew I had one other thing here, and I looked down at my notes, and there it is. Okay, here's the contest. In the next week, by next weekend's show, you need to send me some audio. Again, it's an audio thing. Not just email. Audio. We need audio. Must have audio. Um, What I'm looking for is for people who listen to the podcast to send me an audio file either again you can send an mp3 file to treksf at gmail.com the email for the show or you can call the the voicemail line which is 206-88-TREX with an s on the end of it again if you forget that number need it go to the podcast section of the main website and the number is listed to the right there Uh, The audio, what I want this time, is this. I'd like you to take a character from any of the Star Trek shows, maybe one that you like. It doesn't have to be your favorite or or whatever, but you need to uh, send me an audio file, and you need to imitate the character. In other words, let's say you pick Scotty. You could, could, uh, and keep these 30 seconds to a minute, you know, just send me a little audio clip where, hey, this is such and such, and I'm doing Scotty, and go, hello, everyone, you know, whatever. That that wasn't a Scotty accent at all. But, you know, you get my idea. Do a Kirk. Oh, my God, Spock, what are we going to do? You know, whatever you want to do, just to have a little fun. I thought this would be a fun thing to have. So so next week, by next week's show, oh, and the, the, the prize will be, it's going to be another DVD. I have a DVD of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And this is the first release DVD of it, and it's in uh, mint, perfect condition. So that will be the prize, Star Trek Three DVD, The Search for Spock, for next week's contest. And again, what I'm going to do, everyone that enters is going to have a shot at the DVD. I will play all the entries on the show, and I will randomly pick a winner. So everyone that sends me an audio clip, you got a shot. And I'm telling you, I've only usually, for most of these contests, and this one will probably be similar, I usually get about... Uh, well, maybe half a dozen entries, so that's some pretty good odds there, people. So uh, send your audio in this week. Doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to be even good. Just uh, just a little participation and a little fun for the show. So so that's it. Um, glad I didn't forget about that, or I would have been uh, putting on a new little short uh, update to the podcast. Sorry about that. I know you're waiting for that announcement with bated breath. So this is Rico. I'm getting out of here. Going to edit the show and get it uploaded so uh, everyone have an enjoyable week or at least until wednesday when i talk to you again and uh keep watching some sci-fi and star trek talk to you guys later bye bye this has been a rick dusty production this podcast copyright 2006 all rights reserved